I don't know if you've had an opportunity yet, but hopefully you go see the Penn Hills High School's musical, The Adams Family. I know some people have seen it already. I, I heard some good reports and that it's obviously a good show. I don't know if many of you would come up and be like, yeah, it was terrible. But uh, I've heard good things and I'm excited for, the, for everybody that's involved. It's, it's, it's so nice when you get to do something like that. And one of my phrases is, I love when a kid gets to just be a kid. They get to play, they get to be in a, in a musical. Now even our man Ben here is, I said it's great that he gets to be a kid, except he's a father and a husband in this event, and he's got to have some little uh, out-of-his-comfort-zone experiences. Is that maybe the way to put it, Ben? And uh, I encourage you to go. There's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday next week as well. And uh, really just support the kids. You know, I mean, the crowds have been literally a little bit underwhelming, and that's sad. They need to be loved. You talk about how to love somebody. Go and support these kids doing great stuff. Because what's really tough, and I know Ben's been around, he knows this, is come next Monday. Let's all just acknowledge that Satan is in the microphone system and he needs to be purged. That's all I'm just going to say. We'll acknowledge it right now. We're going to go forward and I promise it won't continue. But the point of the story is this. Next Monday, they're going to look at each other and go, what's next? What's next? What do we do now? All of, the, all of the attention, all of the planning, all of the teamwork, all of the moments, the strife, the anguish, and now it's over. And what's next? And that's true of so many different things in our lives, not just musicals, but when you're on a sports team and all of a sudden the season's over, when you've got a big final and then it's over, when you retire and you look up and you go, what's next? And your spouse goes, I don't know what it is, but you got to go do it. <laughs> but the loss of a loved one that you have spent time caring for, and in a lot of ways that has consumed your life. And you look up and you go, what's next? What do we do? We can get caught up in what is next, or very often, oh my gosh, this is coming up next. I didn't get to go to the musical last night because I was hosting, I was the MC for the Penn Hills Sports Hall of Fame. And I do lots of things, and, and I'm not really shy about speaking in public, shocker. But that is my number one stressor event of the year. There are so many variables. There's so many things that can and do go wrong when there's eight inductees plus two teams that are being inducted. Each one is supposed to speak for five minutes or less, and I have no control over how long they actually go. There are people that want my attention. There's people that are trying to communicate with me while I'm speaking. I'm giving an award last night, the Bill Fralick Legacy Award. Bill Fralick, a Penn Hills alum, great, great football player and a better man, gave back to the community, and so now we've named it the Bill, Leg Bill Fralick Legacy Award. And I'm describing it in front of the couple hundred people that are there, and I look back, and the, the chairman of the Hall of Fame and the woman who's running the event are going like this. I'm a minute and a half into presenting an award. And at this point, they're going, as I'm presenting and speaking, I'm like, 
And I look, and I'm thinking in my head, okay, I've offended the Freilich family, which is here. And I'm like, no, that can't be it. No, it's too much. They want me to slow it down because he's a really humble guy. No, no, that's not it either. And I'm like, ah, they don't know where the award recipient is. And I see her right there, so I'm going to go ahead and continue on. That's all while words are coming out of my mouth. And that was the case. They didn't know where she was, so they were telling me to bail on it. That's the kind of night that is. And here's the, the, the inside story. I absolutely love that. I love that kind of on the spot. I am backed into a corner and there's no way out. And, oh, there's an opening. Let's walk through that. And when it's over, I go, what? Whoo, glad that's over. Okay, now, what's the next big thing? Okay, it's not what am I going to do with my time. It's what do I have to get through before I can have some time. And we don't want to live the life of the next big thing productions, is what I call it. Because, oh, as soon as we get through this, that's when life will be easy. Oh, as soon as this gets over, everything will be fine. And then you wake up and you're 95 and you go, oh, wait a minute. I missed life. So be careful asking the question. What the? There's another sermon right there. Be careful when you say, whoa, what's next? Because something's coming. But that's where we find the disciples. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. The disciples have had, I believe the term is, quite a time of it, haven't they? Okay, they were rejected when they were young. Jesus took them in and said, you are my disciples. And he taught them and they very rarely got it at all. And he explained what was going to happen and they didn't understand. And then it happened and they didn't understand. And then he rose and finally they understood and now they're standing around and they're saying, what's next? Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, which is the Gospel of Luke, I, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Now, I don't know how much you know about you know, the, the numbers in the Bible, and a lot of people take it way too far, and you get all the way to you know, the Da Vinci Code and all that stuff. But, but 40 is a pretty important number in the Bible. It happens pretty often, and it's a significant and symbolic amount of time. You wonder if any of the disciples were like, man, how long has it been since Jesus resurrected? I'm like, I don't know, gosh, you're in four, five, 34, 35. Like, oh, I wonder if there's only a few more days left. And if you wonder if, you know, one of the Italian disciples was running numbers and saying, you know, well, the over-under on 40 plus or minus, because he knew the number 40 was going to hit and he'd win on both. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, don't read your Bible too fast. On one occasion, when he was eating with them, this is the resurrected Jesus Christ. And he's sitting down having a meal. And he's eating with them. We talk about increasing our circle of influence. Have a meal with somebody. You know, you want to call me on the phone, that's fine. I might call you back. 
Maybe, but I won't enjoy it. Okay? What I'd love to do is have a meal with you. Not all of you. It's a busy week. But, you know, what I'm saying is we want to spend time with each other. Jesus spent time and he broke bread and he ate with his disciples and he taught with them. We sit here and we go, what's wrong? How come I don't have more of an influence? How much time are you spending with anybody? How many meals are you sharing with somebody that isn't in your immediate family? Don't get me started on are you sharing meals with people in your immediate family? Haven't we forgotten about that if I want to sound like an old curmudgeon? Whatever happened to family dinner at 6 o'clock? But you go out and you spend time with somebody and you break a little bread and you eat a little meal and you talk about life. That's when the ministry happens. Just like it happens here. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. I love when he says things like that. I, hope he's, I know he's saying it to me like, you know we spoke about this. You know, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I wasn't listening. He's like, you know, we spoke about this, the father, the gift my father has promised. And you wonder if any of them were like, I, were you paying attention? I wasn't paying attention. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here's one of the things I like specifically about Faith Community Church. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there are churches that are torn apart and divided about how that is manifested. Here, here's what I believe. Here's what the leadership of this church believes. That when you commit your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit is indwelt in you. It comes into you. And it gives you certain gifts to do the work of God. It might be this. It might be that. It might be that over there. It could be this. It is not for us to decide. And he's saying, it will come. And you will have these gifts which will do the work of God. Could you imagine if Jesus stood up after eating and he said, I want you to know something. You guys got to get to work and I'm not giving you any help. You got to prove yourself. It's all on you. That would be scary. That would be terrible. But yet we act like that, don't we? We act like, okay, I'm doing this. All right. I'm going to go. I accept the free gift of God that is Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to go prove it the rest of my life. We can't. You couldn't. You won't. How great is it that he says, I'm sending you the gift my father promised, that Holy Spirit that will equip you to do this work. And so they say, they get together and they ask him, Oh Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? To Israel? You see, what they were concerned about was the occupation and the fact that they were occupied by foreign lands. And that's what they, all of the, them wanted Jesus to be was a political savior, a political Messiah that would drive out Rome and make it restored to Israel. So in this penultimate moment, when everything is good and he's promising them the Holy Spirit and he's been telling them what's going to happen in this entire process. They go, so are you going to do what we want now? Are you going to make it easier for us now? Are you going to make our life happier now? If you still are struggling with this faith thing, and you're still not quite getting the A plus on your spiritual report card, which does not exist, please know you're not alone. 
that even the disciples who have spent 40 days with a resurrected Jesus are now asking him, are you going to do what we want now or do we have to wait even longer? It's our nature. And praise God, he somewhat gently says to them, it is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority. It's a very important statement. He's basically saying, stay in your lane, know your role, and do your job. You don't have to know everything. You're not getting the full itinerary. We talked earlier when Jesus said, I have so much more to tell you, but you can't handle it right now. You know what you know, and you know what you need to know, and you have the Holy Spirit, which knows all. I wonder if he just wanted to say, shut up and do what I tell you. He doesn't say that because he's perfect. But I would want to say that. He said, it's not your business. My father has set forth all of this, and he has the authority to do that. Just do your job. He goes on, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think he's pretty clear what you are, we are, they were, supposed to do. We're supposed to be his witness. Where? At the musical, on the sports team, at work, to your neighbor, to the guy at the bar, to your friend from 40 years ago, to the ends of the earth. Not just that one little mission project you have. You're to be a witness to who Jesus Christ is. There's a little movie out right now. I'm not so sure if you're aware of it. It's called Avengers Endgame. And I'll tell you right now, you don't need to plug your ears. It's okay, I'm not going to give away anything. But there's a moment when he says, it's time to stop trying to be who you were supposed to be and focus on who you are. It's really a battle between what's next and being a witness. We're so focused on what we're supposed to be. Oh, I'm supposed to be this by now. I want to be the good Christian. I want to be the happy guy. I want to be the supportive one. I want to be the, the, the doting spouse or the doting parent or the proud child. I want to be, I want to be, I should have this much money. I should do this, I should do that. Shh. Stop. Stop trying to be what you think you're supposed to be and focus on being the witness for Jesus Christ. And the good news is that he gives you the power to do it. And that power comes with the Holy Spirit. If you have decided to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will receive that Holy Spirit. If you have never done that, you have the opportunity to do that now. To say, Jesus, I'm tired of the what's next. I want to be your witness. Let me be your witness. I give you my life. And you will receive that Holy Spirit and begin to work with him, for him. Well, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Don't put that into Bible or God stuff parts of your brain. Like, 
how do I say this so inappropriately, but like bro rose right up into the air. Like if you just sit there, all of a sudden it's like, and he finishes saying that, I'm in awe of that. And we just go, oh, we ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father. How many of us said that a thousand times growing up? He ascended into heaven. Stop and think. What did that look like? What did it look like? What was it like for them? Like, okay, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and here's the deal. And they're like, okay, okay. What? Where's he going? Oh, my gosh. And he ascends. And a cloud hit him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. I like this. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Can you see them like this? And they're just staring into the sky. And then two men in white, which probably stood out. I can't imagine there was many white clothing back then. And they just come up. And they're all just staring there. And they said, men of Galilee, interesting note. These were all men from Galilee. All of the apostles, the disciples, were from Galilee, except for one. Do you know who? It was Judas. And he's not here at this point. So they address him as men of Galilee. You wonder if when they assembled the apostles, they were like, you're from Galilee? Hey, you're from Galilee? Yeah, that's right. Who's this guy? <laughs> and he's like, I'm Judas. And you're like... I don't trust that guy. <laughs> or when he betrayed, were they like, see, see, not from Galilee. But he says, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? First of all, relatively obvious question. <laughs> I don't know. I just saw somebody levitate right up into heaven. Thought I'd take a gander at it for a while. But you know, he might be asking you the question. Why do you keep looking at your bank account? Why do you keep looking at your retirement? Why do you keep looking towards your next vacation? Why do you keep looking at your family? Why do you keep, what are you looking at that is your self-interest? Because he says, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's saying, he just told you to be a witness. And you're sitting here going like this. You're still looking at the original thing. It's still about you. He's saying, snap out of it. And go do what he told you to do. Stop looking at your self-interests. But I want to see him come back. That was cool. No, go tell people about him. Don't be worried about your self-interest. Don't hold your Jesus and be like, no, no, nobody else. Look, it's all me. It's all me. And go love the people that he's called you to love. Because you are so great? Because you are so wonderful? No, because the power of the Holy Spirit is within you. And the reality is, too often we think, I got nothing to offer. Jay, if you really knew me, you wouldn't ask me to go love people. Jay, if you knew my sin, Jay, I'm not gifted like so-and-so. Or who's he Watts? I'm not like that. Don't you dare diminish the power of the Holy Spirit. The worse your sin, the greater the Holy Spirit shall shine. The more plain you are, the more dynamic the Holy Spirit appears. 
Don't diminish the power of the Holy Spirit. You simply must go and find yourself wherever the Lord leads and be a witness to Him. Rest assured, He's coming back. I'm looking out the window. He ain't come back yet. So we still got work to do. He hadn't called me home yet. So I still got work to do. But the work comes from the Holy Spirit. I just got to go and testify to that fact. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've set it all up for us. I thank you that for brief windows of time, we have the opportunity to understand. May we move forward this day, Lord, and testify. Certainly in word, but, but as much in deed, and perhaps most of all in love, that we would go and love a world who needs it so desperately, that we would stand in your place and go be with a Samaritan woman, that we would go love the Mary Magdalene's of this world, that we would come alongside those who are paralyzed, those who cannot see, that we would step in and defend the woman that is about to be stoned, that we would represent you to and in front of a world who does not know you. And may we do that through the power of your Holy Spirit, which we now pray. Amen.